Join with me for the next few minutes as I leave with you a message that the Lord has laid in my heart. My thumbnail this afternoon is taken from Psalm 85, verse 6. The Word of God reads, Wilt thou not revive us again, that we thy people may rejoice in thee? I've been thinking upon these words this past few days. I've been meditating upon the fact that in this verse there are five great principles of true revival. I was asking myself, what is the great need of the church in the 21st century? And the answer is a revival of true Bible-believing religion. For God to rend the heavens in a sense. For God to send forth a heaven-sent sky-blue revival of true religion amongst us once again. In this text, think about the source of true revival. Wilt thou not? The psalmist is addressing the Lord. The first verse is an indicator of who has been spoken to. Lord, thou hast been favourable unto thy land. The word Lord is in capital letters. It's an indication that the God of the covenant has been thought about and addressed. Think about the source of true revival. It's not man-made. It's not something that a man can manufacture. It's not something that a man can coerce into being. True revival is sent by the living and the true God. Only God can send true revival. And of course the great need of the day is a mighty move of God's Holy Spirit within the church in the 21st century. Help us to remember, Lord, when we think back to our past. Help us to remember when we realise where we're at now. You see, remember, the Bible says righteousness exalteth a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. This is true individually. This is true uh, for a congregation. This is true uh, for a country. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin, remember, pays wages. And sin, of course, needs to be recognised for what it is. It needs to be repudiated. It needs to be repented of. There's got to be a return to the Lord. And thinking back to the past, the psalmist was saying, Lord, thou hast been favourable unto thy land. And God had blessed the children of Israel. Not only did they enjoy God's favour and God's freedom, but God's forgiveness. And think about God's goodness to uh, Northern Ireland, uh, this uh, tiny, tiny part of the whole of the planet. And yet in 1625, God sent revival to the Six Mile Water. He did the same in 1859. He did the same in the 1920s under the late uh, Reverend W.P. Nicholson, a a faithful man of God, a a great uh, preacher of the old uh, Orthodox Presbyterian stock, a man who was faithful to the blood in the book, a man who called a spade a spade, a a man who saw a multitude of men and women genuinely and truly born again of the Spirit uh, and soundly converted unto Jesus Christ. 
The source of true revival is God stepping in. That's what revival is. God breaking out. Not just one individual being born again of the Spirit, but multiple individuals being born again of the Spirit simultaneously as a genuine, true work of God. Not only think of the source of true revival, but think of the subjects of true revival. Wilt thou not revive us? You see, it's God's people. The late Dr. Paisley used to say that God's people hold the key to true revival. Think of Second Corinthians, or Second Chronicles, rather, chapter seven, verse fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall pray and humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. You see, it's God's people that need revived. It's God's people that need the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. The subjects of revival is us, the the, the church. Think of the state of the church and what's the greatest need of the church. It's God to come again in power and God to come in blessing. Think not only of the subjects of revival, but think of the supplication of true revival. Uh, It was the uh, great Jonathan Edwards, the uh, leader in the 17th, 18th century over there in New England that said when God is going to do something great, he pours out the spirit of grace and supplication. And here's the psalmist praying for revival a thousand years before Christ, praying for God to step in again and visit the land and visit the church in his day and generation. And of course, that's the great need of the church. It's the uh, revival of the prayer meeting. It's having a longing and, uh, and a cry in one's heart unto God for God to come in power and blessing. Think of the 10-day prayer meeting before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Uh, think about the prayer meeting in 1859 in Kell Schoolhouse. Four young men, uh, Jeremiah Manili being one of them, crying unto God uh, for God to come in power and blessing, just using their Bible, reading George Mueller's uh, book of faith, and uh, looking to God to uh, work and save in their community and God did that and one was saved, another was saved and soon the prayer meeting was filled and then a revival broke out in the community and that's what we need but we need the leadership to call for prayer yes, private prayer is a good thing but there must be the public prayer of the church and the church leadership must call for prayer days of prayer and nights of prayer and we must pray and fast unto our God that he comes and richly and mightily blesses us again but also think of something else think of the seriousness of revival wilt thou not revive us? think of this word revive think of a dying fire The coals are burnt out. There's only a few um, cinders left. The the, the flame is very low. There's little heat and another good blast and it would be gone out entirely. Is that not the state of the church in our day? Do we not feel our powerlessness, feel our weakness? Do we not feel our coldness? You come into a room that's cold and there's no blazing fire in the hearth. You, you, You feel that, especially in a stone building. But oh... The psalmist recognised we need to be revived. And and that's the true reality of the situation. We need to face up to where we're at. We need to see our great need. And we need to go and cry unto our God. Wilt thou not revive us again? If he'd done it in the past, then he can do it again. He can do greater things for us. This is a serious thing. 
and, and I call upon you to recognize the seriousness of it. And finally, think about the fifth principle, the song of true revival. Wilt thou not revive us again, that we thy people may rejoice in thee? You think of the tears, the tries, the troubles, that there's little true rejoicing in the Lord in our day and generation, that there's a depression, there's a despair. So some feel, well, we might as well give up all hope, uh, that there's no help for us. Y yes, there is. There's help in the Lord. And the Lord can turn things around. The Lord can step in. The Lord can do wonderful things. With God, nothing is impossible. Let's believe God. Let's trust the Lord. Let's turn to him with all our heart. Let's cry unto him that God will make bare his arm, that God will come and step in again. Think of what Isaiah prayed. Oh, that thou would rend the heavens and come down. And is not what we long for, that the Lord would come amongst us in power and blessing, that the fear of God would break out, that one in the community, two, three, four, and then multiple individuals having a fear of God, being aware of their sin, uh, being conscious of it so much that they're crying out, God be merciful to me, the sinner. Isn't that what happened in 1859? Isn't that what happened in the 20s? Isn't that what happened in 1625 in Northern Ireland? And that's what we need to see again. How can the multitudes be reached? How can things be changed? How can sin be stopped in its tracks? The answer is for God to come amongst us in power and in blessing. The fear of God. I asked you today, do you know anything of this? I ask you today, let's long for this that we might sing again. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Thank you for listening, and God bless.